From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. 30 years ago, the Dow Jones suffered its biggest one-day decline in history. As part of our series, Crash Course, reporter Alexandra Starr looks at what that day in 1987 tells us about weaknesses in our current market. Something to keep an eye on, financial innovations. They often look good when stocks are going up, but we see their pitfalls when the market crashes. In the 1980s, the popular new approach to investing was portfolio insurance. It used a computer algorithm that promised to take human fallibility out of trading. The program didn't panic when stocks fell. Instead, the algorithm would sell a little at a time. On Black Monday, this very reasonable approach unleashed havoc. It was like the human beings took their brains out of their heads and just put them over here, and they just did what the computer told them to do. That's Kenny Polkari. He's a managing director at O'Neill Securities. In 1987, he was a 20-something novice trader. And on October 19th of that year, he saw how a dip in the market quickly became a crisis. As the prices got worse, what happened? The portfolio insurance, they ran this all through their risk management software, and the computer spit out another message. Sell more. What magnified the sell-off is that portfolio insurance had become very popular, particularly with big institutional investors, like pension funds. They liked it because it promised to minimize risk. Diana Enriquez is the author of a new book about the 1987 crash. It's called A First-Class Catastrophe. The postmortems after Black Monday showed that there were periods of time when portfolio insurance and related trades constituted more than half, sometimes 60 percent, of the trades at that moment. After this debacle, most investors dropped portfolio insurance, but new financial innovations cropped up, as they always do. Years later, it was mortgage-backed securities and credit default swaps, and those contributed to the 2008 economic meltdown. Thing is, when it comes to investing, you never know where the dynamite is hidden. And some people are worried about investment approaches that are supposed to be safe. You'll be surprised when I bring it up. Index investing. That's Richard Silla. He's a financial historian and former professor at New York University. Index funds are a passive way to invest. They don't try to pick stocks that will go gangbusters. Instead, they track the performance of a particular market, like the S&P 500. I think the arguments in favor of indexing are very strong. Warren Buffett said he would advise people to, uh, unless they were spent all their time thinking about the stock market like he does, most people should just buy an index fund. People have taken the advice. A little more than a third of money invested in the market is in index funds. That has arguably created what you could call a crowded trade. Crowded trades happen when there are a lot of people trying to do the same thing at the same time. For example, there's been a surge in investment in the stock market this year. That's helped push the market to record levels. But if something sparks a sell-off and people begin selling en masse, that can create a downward cycle. The index funds, of course, will drop a lot in a crash. Uh, People will say, gee, I got into this index fund because I thought it was really safe. But it turned out that they're no better than anything else. When the market goes down, they fall a lot too. And people might panic when they see stocks plummet. That's what happened on Black Monday. One of the most storied names in investing in the 1980s was Peter Lynch. He was the portfolio manager for Fidelity's Magellan Fund. The fund delivered fantastic returns. It held a broad, diversified portfolio of stocks. Again, Diane Enriquez. If you were in the marketplace as a small investor, that was a real good place to be. And yet, individual investors 
flooded Fidelity with telephone calls demanding to redeem their investments from the Magellan Fund. That precipitated more selling into a market that was already plummeting. So even investors who were in a gold-plated mutual fund got out, and the panic that engulfed the market, it brought all stocks down. Right now, one of the most popular ways to invest is through exchange-traded funds, or ETFs. You may have seen the ads for them. Is there an important piece missing from your portfolio? A lot of people have been persuaded that there is. There's roughly $3 trillion invested in ETFs. That's an almost five-fold increase over the past decade. Mark Zandi is the chief economist at Moody's Analytics. He gets the appeal. An ETF gives you the ability to create that diversification in your portfolio. You can buy ETFs for gold stocks or for airlines, but it's kind of similar in spirit to a mutual fund. ETFs are similar to mutual funds. Generally, it's a basket of stocks, and you own a piece of it. They are, however, different, different in a key way. If you want to sell out of a mutual fund, the company that runs it has to give you the fair market value of your shares. You take your shares to Fidelity or Vanguard, and they give you exactly what that share price is. If you want to cash in your shares of an ETF— you have to go into the marketplace and find someone to buy them from you. That's because ETFs are traded like stocks. You can buy and sell them throughout the day, something you can't do with mutual funds. When the market is humming along, there are buyers for ETFs. But in a stock market meltdown, it could be a different story. Where do the buyers come from when everybody wants to sell their ETF? Or are you going to find that you can't sell your ETF share for love or money? in the middle of a crisis. Now, to be sure, this is kind of a worst-case scenario. But as we learned in 1987, that can happen. Mark Zandi says there's another lesson we can take from big market downturns. You generally can't put your finger on the thing that's going to do you in. But the fact that we say ATF means that that's not going to be the problem because we're all focused on it, right? It's the thing over here, but we're not talking about. And it's very difficult to identify that. That's one reason why it's hard for regulatory agencies to protect us from stock market crashes. Tomorrow, we'll look at some of the rules that are on the books and what might happen to them in the Trump administration. Alexandra Starr, WNYC News. 